Hey, it's Coley, and you're listening to Still With You. Welcome to Still With You. My name is Coley Browning, and I am so glad that you are here. This is episode 21. It is our special edition episode celebrating Veterans Day coming up this Sunday. I am a military wife, and I am an army sister, and so this episode is very special to me. It's featuring my friend who literally lives a block away from my husband and I. His name is Casey Law, and he is an active duty service member in the United States Navy. He's been serving for almost six years and is a police officer with the Navy. To get more technical, the rate is called Master at Arms for those of you who know that lingo. With this being said, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you who have served or are currently serving or even plan to serve in the United States military. I see you and I'm thankful for your willingness to be so selfless and to protect the freedoms that I hold so dear. I'm also so thankful for this friend, Casey Law. He really has a heart for loving the Lord. He believes that Jesus is for everyone, and I could not agree more. Without further ado, this is my honorary bro, valiant veteran, and fellow Seinfeld squad member, Casey Law. Casey, did you know that you are the third guy on the podcast, second veteran, and first New Yorker, I think? I hope so. (laughs) I think, like, you're the first Navy veteran on the show. Welcome, by the way. So tell everyone where you're from, how old you are, all the info we need to know. From upstate New York, 24 been in the Navy almost six years. Yeah, but tell us about... Okay, tell us about Rochester, though. That Rochester's where you're from. Rochester is where Kodak is originally from, like Eastman Kodak. I think that's his name. No, George Eastman. His house is there. So, like, you can go explore the George Eastman Museum. And then uh, he made Kodak there. I went to Durand Eastman Primary School. Like, he did a lot for the town. That was your elementary school name? Yeah. That's so cool. When they took Kodak to China... They actually, like, left everyone, like, a mining town. Like, if the mine goes out, the whole town goes under. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of what happened with Rochester. Kodak went out, and that was the uh, where everybody worked. So now it's kind of, like, you know, run down. But, like, I think it's so cool that you're from New York. You and Chris work together, and you came over to our house to do homeless ministry with us. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember thinking you were the first friend that was our age in moving to Pensacola. Do you remember when we were riding around like doing homeless ministry? And this is going to sound so terrible, but I was like, hey, do you care if I like complained for a second? And you said, I'm from New York. I don't care. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's like our number one job other than like yelling at each other is just listening to each other complain. <laughs> I thought that was so funny, but I thought it was so cool too because I've always had like fascination with what New York is. And like I totally stereotyped you and was like, oh, so you're like from New York City, like you like rode the subway or whatever. And you're like, no, I've nope. been there twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not... It's not that cracked up. It's not that as what yeah. it's cracked up to be. Yeah. What brought you into joining the military? Um, boredom, kind of. Well, like I went to college. Where'd you go to school? Robert Wesleyan College. I went there for music education, and that didn't like turn out too well because like I got really into school, and for New York you have to double major. I was on the path for bachelor's in music and education. You had to double major and take 
no credit classes. I was in like three ensembles. Wait, what is no credit classes? Classes that I literally took so many classes that I couldn't take credit towards a degree for it, but they're part of the degree plan. I was at 32 credits and I was taking four no credit courses because they just, you get hit with everything. Yeah. You know? Because New York has like the second highest standards. I think California has the highest. So you were in your freshman year of college and then what happened? I had all my loans figured out halfway through the semester. They were like, oh yeah, we didn't factor in your undergraduate fee. And they hit me with a $10,000 undergraduate fee. And Mm -hmm. I was not too keen on that because I was already working on top of taking 32 credits. So I had basically two full-time jobs and I wasn't keeping up with the payments. And I just, I couldn't do another semester like that. So I dropped out. I dropped out before Christmas. Pardon the planes in the background, everybody. <laughs> yeah, just live in a military <laughs> <I'm> base. <clears throat> yeah, I dropped out of college before Christmas. I could have gone another semester, but I didn't want to get further in debt because, like, yeah. yeah, it happens so quick. What were you thinking when all of that was piled on you? Oh, well, that's not fair. And uh, were you overwhelmed though? Um, I think I was too tired to be overwhelmed. Like, really? I was handling it, handling it okay. It was stressful. I, I guess people wouldn't resonate too much with deployments, but like when you deploy. You're like super high strung for like the first couple months after you get back from deployment because you're working at such a high op tempo. That's how it was. Like I was more stressed out in college than I was on deployment too. So that is so sad. And that says a lot of things about the college experience in our country. That makes me so sad. Oh, yeah. But (laughs) what's funny, I joined the Navy to pay for college and to like save up some money. Those that is, jets. I don't, I think it's with the air show this weekend. Like, uh, they're really supposed close. to practice Thursday. These are just the trainers. Okay, wait. Yeah. Before you go there, though, talk me through why you joined the military. You're in debt in yeah. school. Walk me to the recruiter's office. Oh, so my dad was in the Navy, and I heard all these great stories growing up about mm-hmm. it. And I was like, I didn't even go to other recruiters. I just went in and took my ASVAB. And I went in and, like, I'm already joining, so just sign me up. So, like, they got all my my paperwork. And I went to MEPS, like, two days after I saw the recruiter. Oh, my then, gosh. Um, they, I kind of forgot that about your story. Yeah. yeah. But I, I was in debt for, like, six months because they had to push me out. Something with quotas. Right after MEPS, you went to in-debt? Uh, debt. Which is in-debt. What is in-debt? It's where, say, I enlist at MEPS January 1st, but I don't ship until March. I'll be in-debt, so I, I just show up once a week. And, like, work out with them. And oh, that's like courses. Future Soldiers. My brother did Future Soldiers. And that was... Sure. That was <laughs> that's, like, one of the things that he did. He would go once a week and work out. Yeah, I was fine with it. I was actually supposed to do spec work when I came mm. in. But, like, there was a whole thing with that. Like, my recruiter actually got kicked out because she signed me up. So, like, when you sign up for a special program, you have to sign up for an undesignated program because you're undesignated until you finish that school. So I signed up for the undes program and I signed up for the spec war, but she never filed the spec war contract. I never got it. So I didn't find that out until I was at the end of boot camp thinking I was going to Pensacola for air crew, but I came here for undes air school. I was only here nine days. I went on leave and met my ship in Bahrain. Oh, that's right. You were only here for nine days and then you moved yeah. to Bahrain. The class was only like a week. Were you angry when that happened? No, I wanted to do something different. No, I'm talking about were you angry when she messed up your paperwork? Oh, yeah. Well, but like, I've always been the type where if there's nothing you can do about something, why get upset about it? That really is how you've been because conversations that you and Chris and I've had, like things that have made me very angry, you're like, yeah, well, that's how that goes. And it's like, where did that come from? That mentality? I don't know. I've just always been that way. If there's something you can do about something, do something. 
If there isn't anything you can do about it, you have to accept it and take it at face value and then try to move forward with it. Because if I just sit there complaining about a problem and there's nothing I can do about it, I'm just wasting time when I could be trying to work towards something. Okay, so get out of in-depth and you're in Great Lakes. So what was that like? I actually came out of boot camp less in shape than I went to boot camp because they work out so little now. Yeah. It's kind of a joke. I mean, it's been six years since I went, but when I went, it's just how to wear your clothes and how to fold your laundry, like pretty much. But also being where you were literally like in college, you had this unexpected change. How did you feel? I wanted change. I looked around and I saw everybody who just stagnated right after high school. It had only been six months since high school. As I was getting closer to leaving, I got closer with a bunch of friends. So that was nice. I mean, I don't talk to him now, but <laughs> but like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're leaving. So you're like a little special snowflake for a little while. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, I've watched that happen before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, they, now they don't talk to me. I forgot what the question was. <laughs> you're fine. Just like how you, how did you feel? Just like, to me, that would be a huge change of being like, hey, I was going to school. All of a sudden I had all this unexpected financial stress come up. Now I'm in Great Lakes, Illinois. So I, I kind of thought of it. In a weird way, I guess. First day in boot camp, they kind of just told you everything's a game. Be here, play the game. So I just played the game, and it was fun. I was in a 900 division, so we were staff. So we just, like, ran graduation. And I was a push division, so normal boot camp was, like, shoot, two and a half months? And mine was only one and a half. It was, like, almost two months. We breezed through everything, and for the most part, everybody did their stuff. My chief was called the ASMO train. Because when you get kicked out of a a division and put in another division, it's called ASMO. Literally, like, we started with, like, 100 people. I think we ended with, like, 60. Like, he just kicked people out. He's like, you looked at me funny. Get out. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was an interesting boot camp experience. And then I came here, and it was fun. You know, I just looked at it like like I was writing a book, but I I didn't write a book. I probably should have wrote stuff down. Like, I I think about that now. Like, I journal now. Uh I wish I journaled then. I did a lot of interesting things, especially on my first deployment. But I never, like wrote it down so it's just you know very easy to forget so you were here for nine days in pensacola you leave Mm -hmm. from bahrain for how long so i went home for two weeks and then met my ship on deployment in bahrain and it was a nine-month deployment we were like two weeks away i think from at the time having the longest carrier deployment like ever because we just kept getting extended and then other ships were broken i was part of one of the largest bombings on syria at the time that was like three days of running jets with bombs off the aircraft carrier. So that was that was an experience. Operation Enduring Freedom was that one. I don't know the name of my second deployment, but it had a name, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you were talking about journaling, though. Did you journal at all while you were in Bahrain? No, I didn't journal at all on deployment. I should have. But I mean, I guess it's kind of documented on Facebook. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, I took a lot of pictures. Uh-huh. Um, and like, it was cool, you know, when the ship wasn't out, I did a lot of cool things in port, went to Abu Dhabi, visited Ferrari World, rode the fastest roller coaster in the world there. Oh, wow. Um, went to the Mall of Dubai, which is the largest mall of Dubai, which is only exciting the first time you go, mm-hmm. but it has Wi-Fi, so you go there every time you go to Dubai. Went on a sand dune tour where they get you in a jeep and they just haul butt into the desert. You get almost seasick, which is weird because I didn't get seasick on the ship, but I got seasick land sick. <laughs> sand sick i don't know sand Go, sick. going up and down the dunes in that jeep after like two hours of driving you end up in an o it's a oasis and it's all fenced off no one ever told me why it's fenced off that's crazy but and oh like gosh. really good food so that was fun and I, I rode atvs in the desert and got lost so that was also fun 
So you just do that when the ship would dock? You just do stuff. You go on trips, and, like, I did that everywhere. I don't count all the little countries. I count the ports. Okay. So I've been to Marseille, France. I've been to Bahrain, Dubai. And you go back and forth there, like, 19 times. I don't know how many times I've been to Bahrain and Dubai. And then I went to uh, Split Croatia and mm-hmm. Palma de Mallorca, Spain. In port, I always did something. When am I, I'm not going to go back. Yeah. You know, I might go back to Split because that was freaking awesome. But This is such a small detail compared to like all the things that you just said. But do you remember when you were talking to me? It was like one of our first conversations we had. And you said like you go into the bookstores and you'd find like the books that were the most popular in that area. And like yeah. you told me you read Sold. I love that you did that. If they're in English, that's great. If they're not in English, it's more of like a put-on-the-shelf kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I liked getting things that were like... It's just different demographics, you know? If you got a book here in Pensacola, and it's the number one book in Pensacola, it'd be different than the number one book in New York, yeah. you know? So it's just interesting to see where those people are and, like, what's popular. Their books are weird, too. If you get the ones that are translated from whatever language to English, it's it's kind of funny, the amount of grammatical errors in it, and it almost doesn't make sense. But they're selling it with the same author's name on it. Chris and I met you when you were done with your second deployment. I'd already been in for four years before yeah. I met you, or almost four years yeah. before I met you guys. Yeah, so, like, same mission as the first deployment. We uh, crossed the Atlantic, and we went through the Straits of Gibraltar. Um, mm-hmm. into the Mediterranean, uh, patrolled the Mediterranean. And then our job was to just keep the straits open. There was groups, I want to say from Egypt. I'm not really sure what side they were on, mm-hmm. but they were trying to shut down the straits of Ramuz for some political reason. So we just went through there with our aircraft carrier to be like, eh, shut it down now. That was the mission. And then uh, when we were in the Red Sea, that's when we did all the flight ops where we did bombing runs and stuff like that. This is like the special edition episode like for Veterans Day. So I do, I mean, I know we're friends and everything, but like, thank you so much for serving. Seriously, I don't say that enough to my fellow neighbors and people that I do life with, but really like, thank you for doing all that you you did for like our country and are still doing. I mean that with all my heart. Yeah, been in almost six years. Still don't know how to respond to that. But <laughs> thanks for thanking You're supposed to say thank you for your support. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's but like the textbook line. That feels like unsincere, though. Yeah, I guess it Insincere? does. Ooh, what do you want to say when people say that, honestly? I want to be like, I'm just doing a job. Like, it's no, do you think an Alaskan crab fisherman for getting crab to your plate? Like, I, okay. it's just a dangerous job. I t- will tell you, I am doing something different in my life. I am thanking people for the jobs that they do. The other day, there was a girl who literally did, like, an internship with an organization that I loved, and I thanked her for her service to the organization. I mean, sometimes I thank people because I'm like, you know what? Someone's got to do that job. I look at it like, if you look at, like, a server, they are having cruddy days every day. The military, for the most part, is a good experience. You know, it's positive. And if you really think about it, aside from the patriotic aspect, we're just making money. We're just doing a job. Yeah, but you can't leave to go somewhere gallivanting around willy-nilly. You can't. I can. I just have to come back. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to submit paperwork, otherwise you're AWOL. Yeah. This is seriously like, like, everyone's just like showing out. Like, that is the Blue Angel for our special edition episode (laughs) featuring the Blue Angels. They're here just to give you more to edit out. What are some of the highlights of Military life, what are some of the lowlights? So highlights, definitely the travel. I'm getting paid to go on vacation. Well, not now, because, like, the shore duty's terrible. Don't do not do shore duty. But, um, <laughs> so, like, you know, sea duty's great. You know, it's hard work for about three and a half weeks every month. 
And then you get like four or five days in a different country that you probably would have never traveled to. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's an experience. How many people get to say they lived in an aircraft carrier in the birthings with 90 other dudes? Wait, explain <laughs> what the birthings are because no one's going to know. So picture a cot, but you put like a metal cube around the cot that's maybe like a foot away from your face. And now picture that stacked three high and that's where you sleep. And that is stacked against another one at three high and that's the whole cube and they have like 30 or 40 of those and you only have a foot in between the open sides it's like sleeping in a coffin (laughs) so i'm laughing but that sounds horrible i'm so sorry it was nice you know now i can sleep anywhere also can you explain that ships are kind of like little cities they are little cities my ship had five thousand people on it and a starbucks and a starbucks well it's not really a starbucks they call it Starbucks, but it's... Oh, I thought it was a Starbucks. So like they, they have Starbucks coffee and syrup, but they're not trained. Oh, forget it. So, then. It's not so they give you they give you... A, well, they can't like foam stuff. They don't have whipped cream. They can't do any of the macchiatos. Yeah, I don't know what that is. That's just a coffee shop <laughs> then. Like, it's well, like just a coffee funnel then. Kind of, it's, it's, well, it's, if you think about it, before they had something like that, they didn't really have anything to just brighten your day a little bit. Even if it's cruddy coffee... With more sugar than anything I would consume. It's just a little highlight of your day. It's like if they put cupcakes on the food line. Even if they're terrible cupcakes, they're still cupcakes. What else is there on the ship? Drama. Really? It's like high school part three, I guess, because college is part two. But Yeah. yeah it, it's a lot of drama because people cheat on their wives and they'll have relationships with people on deployment. And it's just drama. And then they have to break up with them. Before we pulled in, the chaplain actually had a class called Breaking Up With Your Boat Boo. They put posters up, and underneath the the title of the class, he said, how to end the relationship you probably shouldn't have started. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it doesn't have to just be people cheating Honestly, on their wives Honestly, though, stuff, like, though. people who are listening to this, because I've heard you talk about these things before, but other people are, are shocked, probably. You know what I mean? Like, well, that is yeah. so different than anything that we experience. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's socially acceptable when you get in those settings that's what I'm that saying, is not. Yeah. yeah. It's sad, though. Like, that's heartbreaking because those scars don't i mean they heal but they're there's pain there well you you also got to think people in the military get married for different reasons there's a lot of marriage for money oh yeah you know and then not even consciously thinking marriage for money a lot of people just get married because they're lonely and they get taken advantage of you know and then they go on deployment and they're away from that partner that they've been stuck with 24 7 and then they're probably like oh i probably shouldn't have done this and then they might talk to their friends and find out, oh, she's cheating on me. It's just someone's living in my house. You know, stuff like that. It's just different types of relationships. So it's more predatory, especially with the younger guys, because they don't really know better. This is maybe their first relationship. How was your relationship with the Lord before joining the military? And like, do you see the desperate need for Jesus in well, the military? Yeah, for sure. Like, that's something I would like to do. Like, that's part of the reason I want to stay in Pensacola after I get out. Oh, yeah, um, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about that for sure. Go ahead, though. But yeah, so, like, you know, I think about when I joined, I didn't really have a foundation. So it leads you to make a lot of bad decisions. You know, if you don't have religious backing or a support system or if you don't have something to live for, you don't have a life. You just go on deployment and you don't acknowledge a higher power. And there's people who get super depressed because they just feel alone but you're not alone Mm -hmm. so these people who like they're just kids they get ripped away from their parents well not Mm -hmm. ripped away they join it's 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 an elective it is a little bit of a ripping away though it's an unknown though i think yeah so like 
you get taken away from your whole support system. And if you have no religious foundation, you have nothing. You know, and they go out on, on deployment. They hang out with strangers until the strangers become friends. But if you don't make friends easily, you're alone. It, they get depressed so quick. And there's people who try to, like, commit suicide on ships. And being in Pensacola, I wish I was able to reach out more. Because, you know, with the schools in the area, this is where a third of the Navy's coming from. You know, everybody comes through here. I wish I could uh, give those people a foundation so they have something to lean against when they go on deployment and they feel alone so they can not die. <laughs> so that'd yeah. be nice. And so like you are an MA and so you see, like you have to take those calls sometimes of like suicide. What do you call that? Like suicide watch? Suicide like, ideation. Yeah. Su- so yeah. It's, it's like a lot of times. I didn't mean to be insensitive in saying that. I just, no, no. I don't know the correct phrasing. A lot of times it's blown out of proportion, but I would rather overreact than underreact. But someone will say something that sounds suicidal and it might be taken out of context and then their chain of command gets involved. It's kind of like out of obligation. We have to go and follow up even if it's nothing. But a lot of times it's something. Like like I said earlier, these kids are ripped from their support system and they go through these stressful schools. The school across the road has the highest attrition rate in the Navy. So many people get kicked out of that school. It's crazy. These kids are stressed. If they fail... I think they they fail two tests, they're out. And they just came from school. They haven't had a real job. They haven't gone through anything in their life. This is the hardest thing they've ever done. Or like you, where you had, before joining the military, a stressful situation of like you're trying to come out of. Yeah. And then like you go to something else that's very stressful as well and like have to perform. Like I can totally see the pressure. And they, they put so much weight on these tests when in reality, it's just a test. Test anxiety is, is one of those things that's like people build it up so much. If you put weight on something like that, you're going to get weight back. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to pass this test or my whole life is over. That's the mentality that they get. And then they fail their second test and they have to change jobs and they think it's the end of the world. And that's when it starts happening. And that's where a lot of the drug use is. We've busted tons of people with cocaine, tons of people smoke pot. There was a weird call one day where some girl took acid and she went to muster and like, she was like, oh, explain muster. Nobody's muster. Know uh, when we all get together and they tell us useless stuff in the morning, <laughs> it's like a morning meeting. Yeah. Yeah. They had to go to muster and they like told everyone around them. I'm so high. So we had to go and like deal with that. Stupid decisions get made. You want to help these people. Yeah. So what do you want to do? Well, like I want to create a support system for them. And then, like, make them realize that this support system doesn't have to stop here. Because, you know, all brothers. So, like, if I fall into a good church here and I'm here for six months, then I go on deployment. I'm going to fall in with a good crowd there. Because usually, usually, <laughs> like, surrounding religious services and stuff, there's people who are, like, good people. You don't fall into crowds with people that have moral issues, people that want to just drink and drink and drink. That's a huge problem that plagues the Navy. I wish I could help them create support systems and know how to travel with Christ in their heart kind of thing. Is that kind of how you had a breakthrough in your relationship with the Lord? Was Did you get a support system? Yeah, so I was raised Catholic. Catholics in, in general a little more religious than uh, having a relationship kind of thing. Yeah. And when you do that, it leads to a lot of, like, uh, holiday Christians. You know, like, I show up for Easter and Christmas and stuff, but I don't show up every Sunday. Or I show up on Sunday, but Monday I'm doing things that I know I shouldn't do. And I just, you know, repent for all of it on Sunday. But... (laughs) I think that happens a lot in non-denominational churches, too. You know what I mean? Like, it definitely does. 
worship out of obligation because if you don't, you're going to hell. Like that's that's my experience with like being Catholic is that you do a lot of things you don't understand. I had to take religious classes, like religious education classes to be confirmed because I actually got confirmed in the Catholic Church. Don't really know what that means anymore. I knew what it meant at the time. But you, you know, really don't. It's just like you're a full fledged member. I don't remember what I did to lead up to that, but mm. I know I had to take these classes and get baptized and all this stuff. It's weird too because you get baptized um, as a baby, and that, or like when you're coming into the church, but like you can't eat the Eucharist until you do all these other things. It's just kind of weird how selected they are with your walk. It's kind of like a like a rubber stamp walk, you know? Like oh, it's yeah, a like preset a check plan, mark, yeah. Instead of like, you know, because like I know where I am in my walk right now. That's how I feel from what's going on. Not I've hit certain check marks. So you're raised in the Catholic Church, but like when did you have that breakthrough? My aunt and uncle are Pentecostal. Okay. Still don't know what that is. (laughs) They're not Catholic. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) They went to a non-denominational church, which was another corporate church. And this is in New York? Yeah. I kind of got kidnapped by my aunt and uncle. I didn't know that we were going to church, but they just kind of like... They're like, oh yeah, let's go to lunch. And I'm like, I've never hung out with you ever. So like they took They just me- invited you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then they, they started taking me to lunch and then they were like, oh, let me introduce you to these people. And they were like um, in the music worship team for the father's house. And like, I was like, oh, hey, like got along with them real well. And then they took me to the father's house. Didn't tell me it was non-denominational because again, you don't learn about all the denominations when you're going checkmark type of situation, yeah. you know? Like, I didn't know. Yeah. So I just started going non-denominational. Like, I really took to it. The music was great. The community was great. That kind of set that spark a little bit. And then after that, I had issues with my parents where they thought that it was a Pentecostal church. And they're like, no, it's not on mine. Because they didn't know it was non-denominational. But I went anyways without them knowing. So that's probably... We should cut that out in case my parents listen. But really? I'm just okay. joking. Okay. But um, <laughs> I was like, that's like a good rebellion. Like, I'm yeah. not telling you, mom and dad, that I'm going to church. Yeah. They didn't go to church anymore. They just thought it was weird. But um, yeah, so did that. The only college I applied to, well, late as well, because I didn't know what I was doing. So I waited until school was already out for the summer. And I applied to Roberts. It's the only school I applied to. They accepted me and gave me like a $18,000 scholarship, which didn't mean anything because their tuition's so high. It's yeah. terrible. But like only school I applied to. So I got in there and then I went to Rock the Lakes, which is a concert. They had all these Christian artists. Flyleaf was there. Yeah, I know that. Um, Skillet. Of course. Uh, some Christian rapper named Tadashi. I think I... Don't say Tadashi like it's nothing. I, I don't know. Tadashi is Tadashi. <laughs> yeah, that's a person, I guess. Or a band? Is it it's a, a man and he's a rapper. <laughs> like, he's so good. Like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what he's saying. Oh, it's so good. Him and Lecrae, KB, all my people. Yeah, they were there. And so were some, they were some like undercard people who just like, I don't know who they were and they probably are still not a thing. <laughs> like, like you know those and people that just kind of float through yes. but you know i went there and that was that was an experience um that was like like my second week at college and then i just started falling into these groups with like people who had more moral fiber i guess would be the way to say that. oh i like that you i've never heard that moral fiber yeah, yeah. i like that so so like in high school i hung out with people who weren't that great like okay. a lot of drinking and stuff like that you know a lot of things that shouldn't have been happening were happening just not knowing church or religion or anything like that. But it went from that kind of group to falling in with people that were very positive, which was new for me, being surrounded by people that didn't show their affection by like, oh, what's up with your messed up hair today? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> New York, what are you going to do? 
But <laughs> yeah, I fell in with these really positive people from all over the country because I guess it's like one of the top schools in New York, other than Houghton. I think Houghton's okay. the top Christian school. You get people from all over the country coming, and they're just all positive. That really set in my mind that Christian people are I'm not going to say better, <laughs> but they're just we the better. No, no, <laughs> Christian people are they just form healthier relationships than okay. non-Christian people because like. I had a lot of unhealthy relationships outside of that. So it was nice. So a lot of people think that you have that moment where it's like, this is the moment that I give myself away kind of thing. Um, and I'm not knocking people who think that way, but I think it's kind of like a continual thing. So I call that like my first awakening, you know, and then my second one happened recently when I got really involved with Liberty. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like a continual, not really, because like I did stray away from it too. When I went on the ship and stuff, I didn't have that great of a foundation so I like stopped worshiping and stuff like that. But like I got back to it when I got back to the States, but it, I didn't have that great of a foundation. So that that's what led me to like the second awakening, I would think. But I still like prayed. That's what helped me through like boot camp. I would wake up and I'd be like, well, whatever today happens is what's supposed to happen and pray. And like, you know, things went pretty well. Mm-hmm. I didn't make stupid mistakes when I prayed. It was kind of weird. It was like a day to day struggle for a little bit. Because, like, if I didn't pray, I'd have a bad day. But I don't know if that was, like, in my head. But that's Oh, I don't of, think it's in your head. I think yeah. that was a general reminder, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Well, it got me here, so it had that's to be amazing. something. That's amazing. I also forgot that Chris and I, we saw you get baptized. That yeah. was such a cool moment. I was so excited. That hot tub was cold. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, though. I love that you invited us to be in that moment and share that with you. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, like the best people I know, so. Like. Oh, don't. Literally, we feel the same way about you. Like, you seriously were, like, our first friend here. And you've, like, been that way. Like, I've told you before, like, you're an older brother to me. Just so funny. You're really smart. You know all these random things. You know what I mean? I like to tell people I'm a fountain of useless information. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> touche. Yeah. I'm gonna agree, honestly. <laughs> but it's not useless. It's actually, like, really great. I think it's random street smarts peppered in with too much book smart. I can totally see that because I know you're a huge reader. And the other thing, like, do you remember when you came to our house and made, like, unleavened bread? You showed us how to make that? Yeah. I was like, what? And it was so random because you were just, like, in the kitchen making unleavened bread. I don't remember why we did No, that. you called it nom. Didn't you call it nom? What'd you call it? Non. Non. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, non. It's like an Indian food. Like, yeah, that's right. I forgot you love Indian food. Yeah, well, I curry's the best, so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think I made that. Why did I make that? I don't know, but I remember I was like, what is this? You're like, it's like unleavened bread. It was good because we were putting olive oil on it and eating it. It was good. There was a reason though. Was it part of like a fast? I don't know, but that brings me to another thing. I fasted for 24 hours with you and Chris. You were the first person that I've ever done that with. I know it was the first time Chris fasted food from that, but that was so cool because you were encouraging us to do that. And that was during a time in this past summer when we really needed direction. And you've always been drawn to fasting. Why is that? Well, that's like a leftover Catholic thing, I think. But like, it's not. Like, it's so important. Well, no, I'm saying like, that's that's where I got it from. I don't know. Like, if I'm stressed out by something, I want to differentiate. Not like I'm stressed out and forget to eat. I don't want that to be the thought. It's like I, I, when I'm stressed out about something and I have something weighing on me, I purposely don't eat. I'll, I'll purposely set out this is the time frame I'm not eating in. And then I really got back into it when I started doing the Daniel Fast. Mm -hmm. Um, which is nuts but i do it every january one time we had pizza over at our house and you're like i can't sorry guys yeah i don't know if i'll be that good this year but (laughs) oh you will you do it every year i think it's it's nice it kind of resets you 
you know, and uh, I like to think of the hunger as like a reminder to pray. Oh, I'm so hungry. My stomach is growling. Instead of complaining about it, you just say a little silent prayer. If you think of it in the grand scheme, so you fast for 24 hours, but how many times in that 24 hours are you going to be hungry compared to like praying normally? Like 100% different. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. <laughs> praying every hour instead of praying once or twice. Yeah. Minute to minute. Sometimes when I was going to sleep that night, oh my gosh, I was like, Lord, please like just come and give me fulfillment. I think it's harder to do no sugar than it is to do no food too. Really? I mean, you tried no sugar I'm, for a little bit, right? Yeah, I'm still trying to do it. It's a little bit, it's hard. I think it's harder than going a my couple f- days without eating entirely because there's sugar in everything. It's my like, friend Anne is a pro at it. She is the one who's mentoring me with the no sugar thing. It's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. You're doing worship, by the way, at Downtown we, Liberty. Yeah, it's just such a vital role. I tell everyone that has been on the podcast who is like on the worship team is that I'm Tiffany Chin and I have this belief that you guys, like, usher in the Holy Spirit in the sanctuary. I like to think we do. Like, you guys are opening the gates for it. There's something along those lines. We had a meeting a couple weeks ago. It was like a little party, but it wasn't a party. It was weird. Like, one of those bait and switches. Like, oh, come to this party. We're going to talk for an hour. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so, so we had one of those a couple weeks ago, and someone said something along the lines of, like, that song may not click with you, but there's a reason that we have that set up. Some days you'll go and play and you'll think, oh, like everyone's really feeling it. And some days you go and it's like, nobody really felt that today. The energy was low, but might not be low for the one person that needed it kind of thing. That's the way I like to look at it. You know, if I don't like the song, it doesn't mean it's something I shouldn't play kind of thing. That's a very selfless thought. I mean, it has to get annoying singing Reckless Love like over and over again, right? If they do it one more time. I'm quitting. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted us to say about the worship team because I feel like that's going to be part of your future plans, right? I hope it is. Uh, I would love love to be like Seth Smiley, you know, like him and I talk all the time and I I show up like and do random stuff for them that I'm not scheduled to do. Like I help break down all the time and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And we just like talk. His life is something that I would like to imitate. You know, he's married and he has all these beautiful kids and he's strong in worship and he just, like his whole job is playing music. Like there's other clerical stuff, but you know, if ninety percent of your job is sitting on a stage and singing for a living, I think that's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then if you can sing for a purpose, that's even better. You yeah, know? you know, a great way to live, surrounded by fellow Christians all the time. I'd love to do that. It's totally possible, Casey. I can totally see you doing that. So you think you're going to stay here in Pensacola? That's what I'm hoping. I have to figure out stuff like working and finding places to live and stuff like that because it's going to be weird. I've had steady income for six years. I don't know how I'm going to go back to paycheck to paycheck. But Are you scared? A little scared, but all change is scary. Even if I was just changing duty stations, I'd be scared. It'll be a struggle. What do you think God's teaching you through that? I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that that middle ground is so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's where he's sometimes sweetest. Like, he just comes and kisses that ground where we're at. So, like, at Freedom, right, I had a huge, like, struggle before when I was trying to make the decision of what I wanted. Because I know what I want. I don't know if that's what I'm going to be able to do, but I know I want to stay. Like You want to stay here in in Pensacola. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what I wanted. And I was in Freedom asking about it. Freedom Group. Yeah. Sorry. Based on the Church of the Highlands study, we have to... Tell people. No, it is. It's based on the Church of the Highlands. It's a small group. Freedom is such a lingo that we use here and we don't even say it. Like when I was at Freedom, they're like, uh huh. Like Alcoholics Anonymous are like, what? Like, what are we breaking chains for? (laughs) Like, what? Do you know the the Harville's uh, daughter 
was at the Freedom Recording. I didn't know that, but I know that she did go to... The Highland College. Highland College, Asia. I want to have her on the podcast. Asia, if you're listening, I know you're moving back soon to get with me, please. Yeah. She is, like, amazing. (laughs) She's really cool. She does a lot of outreach, and I'm, like, super impressed by her. I wish I could do more outreach, but military schedule. So why I'd like to go back to... It's gonna be done soon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) forgot where we were... Where were we going with that? You were at Freedom, and... Oh, yeah. So, um... At Freedom, I was just asking them, like, big, broad question, and I feel bad now. I was like, how do you know what God actually wants you to do? And they're like, well, I just know. And I'm like, well, that's not an answer. It's like, not, no. And then some, and then we were talking about how God speaks to you. And, like, some people were like, oh, he just does. Or I pray and he doesn't speak back. I don't want to talk about people specifically. But one person was like, oh, yeah, and uh, he talks to me through, like, dreams and daydreams and stuff like that. And like I was saying, I, I kind of get talked to more like in feelings. You know? Do you? Share this because I'm fascinated by how God speaks to people. So like I think of it like if I just sat in a room and thought about something, whichever one I feel is a worse decision, I feel like that's God talking. Usually the thing that you feel like you shouldn't do is the wrong thing to do. Yeah. So I just like sat <laughs> for a while and like I'll pray about something, but it, and he never talks when I'm praying, which is really just, just rude. but it's just like you know so i'll I'll pray and then i'll just kind of sit in reflection and just think and then i'll just think about you know how i would i'll put myself in the situation that i'm praying about like like if i'm thinking about going home i'll just think like what would it be like to be back home how would i feel and then if i (laughs) i want to say it's anxiety if i get anxiety about it it's not the right thing to do yeah you know so i was talking to them about about that and they just kind of they prayed over me, which is really weird. I've never had that done before. Really? Yeah. Did you like it? I mean, it, was, it was interesting. Did you feel nervous through it, or did you? I just felt mostly receptive? like uncomfortable. But, okay. Like that's, that's okay. probably. <laughs> I mean, it's just not something I've done before, and it's kind of weird having a group of people because I didn't know them that well because they're like family now. But this is like the third week. And it's like the third time meeting all these people, and they're all like, "Oh, we're gonna pray over you," and I'm like, "What do you?" Do they put their hands on you? Yeah. And it was very strange. Someone had very warm hands on my neck and I was sweating. But <laughs> I think it helped. But in the moment, it was just mostly like, uh, like internally screaming. But do you want to know why? <laughs> Probably too. Honestly, if you were a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. That's people who are going before God on your behalf. I mean, you and I both believe in spiritual warfare. Yeah. And so if there's something that is not of the Lord that has been hanging on you, that's them being like, hey, it doesn't shock me that it's uncomfortable. When breaking something away, sometimes there's a little bit of resistance. Yeah, I can see that. I like your honesty, though, because... I think that that's something that not a lot of people talk about is like, hey, it is actually uncomfortable. But it well, sometimes is very weird. <laughs> I think that's why a lot of people don't know if they actually came to Christ. So okay. if you think about it, like, you know that moment that a lot of people talk about and like, that's when I knew. I don't think that's real for a lot of people. Okay, yeah, you I know? agree. Like, I, like, I agree. Like I said earlier, it's like, it's like a constant giving yourself over type thing. But a lot of people are like waiting to get into Christianity because they're like, I haven't had that moment where everything changed yet. You know, I haven't had that huge swell where the music gets louder and everything just makes sense. And the Holy Spirit will help you. That is like the the guiding uh, wheel, like yeah. in your life. It's hard without it. it yeah. That's why it's like depending on your own self. Yeah. And a lot of people don't feel the Holy Spirit right away and they get frustrated. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's a process. If you're doing something just to do it, it's like the religious versus relationship type thing. If you're doing it out of obligation, 
Like I, I need to do this so I don't go to hell. Like you're not doing it wholeheartedly, and that that's that feeling isn't going to come to you, and you're never going to have that. I'm where I'm supposed to be feeling. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're not giving yourself away to it. You know? What would you tell someone who is considering going all in with Jesus, but just like on the very edge of being like, I'm all in, but they're still withholding a little bit? Well, do it. It's like cold water. It's it's going to be a shock. It's going to be weird. You're going to be uncomfortable. But, you know, once you adjust, it's a whole different world. Go in, give it everything, give it a shot. You know, like it's an everyday decision. So make the decision. Go for it. Give it a shot. Hang out with some of the people. Feel how your heart feels in a month. And I'm sure if you give it your whole heart for a little bit, you'll see some changes. You'll see something move forward in your life that you needed to move forward. When people hear this, how can they pray for you? I mean, this is like at the end of freedom when they're like, what's your prayer request for the week? And you get put on the spot and you're just like, I don't know. Do you feel on the spot? All the time. Because I'm always praying for different things. Nothing stays the same. I mean, there's some things that stay the same. But I think prayer requests are for more like, my aunt is sick. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, but I want people, when they hear this, to pray for you. I want to know what they can pray for. I, I, I don't know. I guess in my, my coming change, you know, in a couple months here, I got to figure out what to do with the, if I'm going to stay here, if I'm going to have to go home because of financial stuff. Just that things unfold the way they're supposed to unfold, I guess. Every time I think about you and Chris and I talk about you, um, and I mean this sincerely, not just because we have a microphone in front of us. I've told you this before. You know, I just really think that God has been pursuing you and using you in ways that you don't even know. Just how honest you are about how God has worked in your life. It's just so cool to watch. What was it? You were just like singing to homeless people like on the street with your guitar. Like well, you're just I, so I selfless. Didn't sing to homeless people. <laughs> you were serenading them. <laughs> no, no. Uh- Wait, you're just doing all kinds of really spontaneous things for the Lord. I, I don't know. I like doing things that are different. The honesty thing, I think that's that's a huge thing. I don't have secrets for from anyone. If you're honest all the time, you don't have to worry about who you're lying to, for one. You know, it just opens so many doors, not harboring things in your heart. Like, I talk about, like, divorce all the time. You know, that's something I went through, but I'm not going to try to hide that I got divorced. If it comes up in conversation, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. And that's how... That's how it goes. That's how you get over stuff. And it's the accountability with the honesty, too. Because people like groups we talked about off the podcast. Like, if you're not holding your group accountable, they're going to go do all kinds of mania. You know, they're just going to be, they're going to be stupid. Because <laughs> no one's holding yeah. them accountable. You know? So I just hold myself, like, super over accountable. With this being the special edition episode celebrating Veterans Day, let me tell you about an amazing military wife, my friend Quinn Sharp. She is the founder of Quinn Sharp Jewelry Designs, and she hand makes and creates the most beautiful jewelry you have ever seen. The holidays are coming up. Go check out her website and get a gift for that special person or even yourself. Treat yourself. If you know me or hang around me at all, you know I wear her earrings almost every day. I love them so much, and you totally should go check all of her entire collection out. Go to quinsharp.com and use the code still with you to receive 20% off your entire purchase. Again, the code is still with you in all caps, 20% off your entire purchase, quinsharp.com. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so we <laughs> need to explain to people what the Seinfeld squad is. Do you want to or do you want me to? Uh, you should, because I, I don't, I just know it's us, so I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Casey's from New York and also does a really good Jerry Seinfeld impression. 
And I love Seinfeld so much. That is like my show. It's like Chris, Casey, and I all hang out together. And so you're Jerry, I'm Elaine, and Chris is George. I feel like I'm more Kramer. <laughs> you are a mix. <laughs> you're a mix for sure. Yeah, we'll go take that BuzzFeed quiz after this. We'll figure out what's time, folks. I still want to be Elaine, though. I will always be Elaine. But that's like another thing of why we also are the Seinfeld crew is like we have those conversations. We're just a little ridiculous. I think that's why we're this. We like over talk some of the stupidest thing. We'll talk things until they don't make sense. Is Seinfeld as accurate for how it is in New York? So New York City, maybe. Um, I'm, I've only been there twice. I don't know. Just people don't really talk to each other, honestly. Like nobody has open conversations with each other. Like I wish it was more like Seinfeld because you could just talk about your problems, but people just, they're all by themselves. I probably think it's the same in New York City. You're surrounded by people, but you don't talk to any of them. It's kind of the same thing for where I'm from. The time period for Seinfeld, because that was like the 90s? Yeah, it was. So maybe it was a little like pre-9-11, so maybe people actually talked. I still think that is one of the best sitcoms ever. Oh yeah, way better than Friends. It is, isn't it? I can't get on to Friends. There's too much like weird stuff in Friends, I think. There is, and there's too many people. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up. We're simple people. We gotta keep with our core four. I don't even know all the names. I know Rachel and Ross, and I probably could pick them out. Joey and Chandler. Joey's the only one I know of and, and, and like. Is, yeah. Phoebe. Phoebe's my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Like, I know my brother likes Friends, but I've never, I've never really got into that show at all. It's like knockoff Seinfeld. Oh, and can we talk about your dog, Lucy? By the way, if anyone's heard any dogs barking in the background, that's Bentley and Lucy uh, playing because Casey brought her over. Can we, can we talk about her for a sec? Yeah. What do you, what do you want to What know? kind of dog is she? she a Collie Lab Mix, the rescue shelter, said that she was six months old. And I took her to the vet and the vet's like, no, she's two. She's just very small. They thought she was mixed with Corgi for a little bit, mm-hmm. but now she's getting super chunky. Like, I, I'm feeding her this, what she's supposed to eat. Okay, guys, though, she came over with a sweater on that says... Pick of the patch. A pick of the patch, and it had a pumpkin on it. You're being such a good dog dad. I remember when I first met Lucy. It was after Loopy had passed. I had forgot how sweet girl dogs are, like the little females. Just She's awesome. She's been like my therapy dog, even though she's not a therapy dog, and she chews everything in the house. But that's normal. I mean, you have dark hair, and she's like a little dark-haired dog, so it's like literally like your little daughter dog. What's weird is I didn't even think about it. So my sister got a dog from the same kennel at the same day as me here. She got it in Pensacola? Yeah. And she brought it back to New York? Yeah. Are you friends with Paige? I'm following her on Instagram. I didn't realize she got the same dog from the same kennel, though. She's actually... Her dog is the same breed. It's a mix, but it has Weimaraner in it. I want to be better friends with your sister because I know she makes her own makeup. But I also know she's a great cook with Indian food. Yeah. So, she got a dog that was in the same kennel as Lucy. And they had the same coloration on them. I don't know if you've seen, but she has... Hers is... Her white comes onto her face. Lucy has the white on her stomach and she's got the mittens. And so does... um, her dog, Sansa. We looked at pictures from like a long time ago, and it looks like our dog that my parents got Paige on her birthday when she was like 10. Mm-hmm. We had this dog named Pringles. Yeah. And it looks just like her. So I think subconsciously we both gravitated to dogs that look like our Oh, I love that. And dogs. especially since you're so close with your sister. Yeah. That's so good. Except my dog's better than hers. Aww. <laughs> it like behaves better. I haven't met the other dog, but I mean, Lou is pretty awesome. Okay, yeah. so the final question on the podcast is where is God still with you? I don't think there's like one place that God is still with me. I think he's with me in everything and every day. 
He's definitely moving in my life. He's with me with the, the changes that are coming, hopefully. That we're praying for. Yeah. He's definitely with me in the, the worship team and all that stuff because I, I keep getting picked up for more groups. They've ministry. been recruiting you like hard. I think it's because I actually show up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm in Access Downtown. I'm in the Freedom Group. I'm in Worship Ministry. Now I'm in Production. I'm in Brown Bag. I'm in A1A Outreach, even though I don't go very often, but I'm in it. <laughs> so... It has been so cool to just watch kind of you transform, like, and also just, like, all of us grow in friendship together. Yeah. Honestly, like, so many memories just, like, with you, Chris, and I. It's literally been, like, a family, which is crazy to say because I never thought that I'd have some friends that I would literally be so comfortable with. We walk and we do life together. And after you leave here, we're not going to do that thing people do, like, after no. college. Call me, we'll hang out. No, you're hanging out. No, like. I mean, if you're going to be here, it's not going to be that far. Thank you so much. Please come back anytime. You know you're always welcome. And again, also, sincerely, like, thank you so much for your service. Thanks for your support. Learn that today. <laughs> <laughs> what if we all... We're just all in with God. If we just jumped into that cold water, what if we just let God have full reign? How could that change our lives? Obviously, it's happening in Casey's life, and it's just been so cool as his friend to watch that unfold. It's been so encouraging and helping everyone who encounters him just grow as well. Again, I am so thankful for him sitting down and doing this interview. It was so much fun, and I'm so thankful for you who are listening. We are on... Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and Spreaker. So please go subscribe, go follow, get connected to where you are getting all of these episodes on a bi-weekly basis. As always, you can connect with me through Instagram or my website. On Instagram, my handle is at Coley Browning and my website is ColeyBrowning.com. That's K-O-H-L-I-E and Browning like the rifle. Feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. I mean it with all of my heart when I just say thank you so much to those of you who have served or are serving, or like I said, getting ready to serve. Maybe you're in the MEPS process right now. You have my heart of thankfulness. Thank you to the military families who sacrifice so much, who buy plane tickets to go see their loved ones and who spend those lonely nights away from one another. The children who don't get to see their mothers or fathers as much as they would like, and those of you who put your life on the line every single day, I just thank you with all of my heart, and I just honestly pray God protects you wherever you're at. I know He will. I'm just holding on to that. Thank you guys again for listening, and as always, please go out into this world and be bold, be brave, and be you, and remember that He is still with you.